Okay, so today's daf is daf gimel in Yoma. We are on the fourth line of daf gimel amud aleph. The Gemara is trying to discuss, trying to clarify why it is that only Yom Kippur has this requirement of the Kohen Gadol observing seven days of uh, preparation. Why not other Chagim? And, uh, and so the Gemara in the previous Amud was discussing, well, you know, would it be a seven-day Chag? What about Shemini Atzeret? Well, Shemini Atzeret is kind of not really that independent, even though it is, uh, to a certain extent, a separate holiday. So it wouldn't require a separate, these the seven days wouldn't be, wouldn't be relevant. And then Ve'ema Atzeret. The next question was, what about Atzeret? Atzeret is the Talmudic uh, name for Shavuot. So what about Shavuot? So you can't use the reasoning. Uh, before we said, well, Shemini Atzeret wouldn't work because Shemini Atzeret is preceded by seven days of holiday. Well, Shavuot is not preceded by holiday. So maybe uh, you should have to do seven days of uh, preparation of the Kohen for Shemini Atzeret. Uh, sorry, for uh, Shavuot. Um, so he kind of seizes on a difference in the uh, in the avodah. That if you look at the musafin of most of the chagim, they're pretty similar. Uh, but in in the shavuot, you have a special thing of the shteilechem, and it comes with these two elim, two rams. So it's a different. Uh, it's not a. Um, it's not similar to the uh, since we're learning out. In other words, according to this. From the case of the Milu'im, we're learning from the case of the dedication of the Mishkan. And if you look there, you see that what had to be brought was parechad uh, one uh, bull and one ram. And here you have no two elim. You have two rams, right? So uh, so it's uh, so so it wouldn't match. So of course this is a new angle here because before it was trying to just compare in terms of the number of days. Now it's bringing in the type of korban and saying, well, it's not exactly the same korban, so we can't compare. That makes sense according to the one that says Yom Kippur is really only There's actually a machloket. We wouldn't know because we are uh, sheltered from these kind of machlokot, especially because we the only time we really encountered the avodah laid out for us in a full form. If we're even really reading along and following, hopefully we are, um, is uh, is on the Musaf of Yom Kippur, and uh, since nobody had their coffee that morning, maybe they can't pay attention and they don't notice. But there, it, it's mentioned twice. If you look carefully at the Chumash, you will notice that in the description of the Avodah of Yom Kippur, it talks about Ayel Echad, that the Ayel of the uh, uh, the uh, ram that is brought as part of the Avodah. Of Yom Kippur, and then if you look at the all of the Musafin, all of the extra korbanot of all of the Chagim are listed in Parshat Pinchas, and there it talks about Ayel Echad, and so the Gemara discusses whether the Ayel that is written uh, in Parshat Acharimot when it says Umbe'et Adad Yisrael whether that Ayel that Ram is the same as the Ayel as the Ram that's mentioned in the Musafin in the additional korbanot that are listed in Parshat Pinchas, because sometimes there could be something that is mentioned in, uh, you know, a specific aspect of the service, let's say, that's mentioned only in Parshat Achrimot, or the details of the, um, of the Shavuot uh, offering of, uh, for instance, um, are not laid out in Parshat Pinchas. They're laid out in Parshat Emor. Uh, so, you know, it could be that certain things that are re- mentioned in Parshat Achrimot for Yom Kippur uh, are not mentioned in Parshat Pinchas, and certain things that are mentioned in Parshat Pinchas are not mentioned in Parshat uh, Achrimot, because the Musafin, let's say, 
the Musaf Korbanot of Yom Kippur are not mentioned in Nacharimot. Only the special service that really distinguishes Yom Kippur from all other days is mentioned in Nacharimot. So the question is that ram that it mentions, is that a part of the unique Avodat Yom Kippurim, or is that just part of the Musaf that's mentioned in Parshat Pinchas? Um, and it's a, uh, you know, it's mentioned twice. So if you say that there's only one ram that's brought in Yom Kippur, because the, the ram that it mentions in Parshat Acharemot is really the same ram that it mentions in Parshat Pinchas. It's not two different rams. It's not that there's one ram of the people that's part of the Avodah of Yom Kippur that's the unique special Seder Avodah, and there's one ram that's part of the Musafit. The difference would have, you know, it would have to do with... Uh, uh, you know, whether it's considered part of the, of the Avodah that he has to do, what kind of begadim, whatever, it, it, it's, it would be, it, it could have different implications. But the, uh, but the question is whether there are two rams or one. So if you say there's only one ram and it's just mentioned in two places, it's mentioned in Parashat Achrimot, it's mentioned in Parashat Pinchas, which is actually what we hold, that it's only one. So then there's one ram on Yom Kippur and there's uh, two rams brought on Shavuot. But if you hold like the position that no, that there's one ram that's part of the, uh, that's part actually of the, um, of the Avodav of, of Yom Kippur. And there's another ram that's part of the Musafin. Like if you look at the, in Parshat Pinchas, at the Musafin that are mentioned there, it looks like a regular Chag. And it just mentions how many Kvasim and how, and, and rams. And it's the same as any other holiday, the, uh, the Musafin of, uh, the Korban Musaf of, of Yom Kippur. So you, you wouldn't know that there's this whole elaborate, uh, this whole elaborate uh, ritual of, of Avodat Yom Kippurim that's mentioned in So if you hold that the ram that's mentioned in is really just the same ram as Parashat Pinchas, there's an overlap between the two, so then it's only one. But if you say that there are really, uh, that actually there are two independent ones, so that would be the same as Shavuot, so you can't make the distinction anymore. As we see, Titan, Rabbi, Rabbi Omer, Omer Khan, So the Ayel mentioned according to Rabbi, in uh, in Parshat Achrimot is the same as the one that's mentioned in Parshat Pinchas. There's not two Elim. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Shene Elim, Hem, Echadamur Kan, Echadamur Bukhumash Pikudim. In other words, he says that the Achrimot Seder, Avodah, and the Pinchas are totally separate. So anything mentioned in Parshat Achrimot is not what's being talked about in Parshat Pinchas and vice versa, according to him. According to Rabbi, it's, there's one overlap of that one ram that actually is mentioned in both places, but it's really the same thing. So that means that there's only one ram. Even if you say the Gemara is going to say, even if you say Afilu Tamar Bielazabar Bishimon, even if you hold the Kirby Elazabar Bishimon that there are actually two rams on Yom Kippur, Atam, Khadekhovata Yom Khad Mustafit, there's still a difference because there's a difference, see the Gemara says, distinguishes between Three kinds of korbanot, basically, which is very interesting. It distinguishes between something called, the, obviously, the korban tamid. There's something called korban musaf. And there's something called chovatayom. It's not the, it's special to that day. Even korban musaf is not called, is not the same as chovatayom. Chovatayom means something unique to Shavuot. For example, these two rams and the two loaves that are brought for uh, Shavuot, that is unique to Shavuot. We don't call that the Musaf of Shavuot. It's something unique. If you, uh, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not the same thing as the Musaf of Shavuot. Musaf is like a template. It's something that is almost exactly the same on most of the Chagim. You know, it's, it's brought at all in the morning, but it's like, but the point is that there's a difference between what's called the Tamid, the Musaf, and Chovatayom could be something unique that is not even part, it's not under the, the same category as Musaf, because Musaf is something that exists on every holiday, there's just some variation between exactly how it plays itself out. There's a Musaf on Shabbat, there's a Musaf on every holiday, there's a Musaf on Rosh Chodesh. These are, 
it's a standard category, category that might differ in the numbers here and there. Actually, most of them are the same, or more or less the same. You know, but it's, uh, but they, but like Rosh Chodesh, first day, and Rosh Chodesh, Pesach, um, they, you know, they are, they're pretty much the same. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, I think, also is the same, no? Um, I, I don't remember offhand, but most of them are the same of the, of the Chagim, except for the unique, uh, the unique case of Sukkot. Yeah, so, uh, so it, being that that's the case, so the, uh, uh, you know, that's called the Musaf. And then you have Chovat HaYom. Chovat HaYom is something else. So Yom Kippur, even if there are two Elim, it's not the same because one of them is just part of the Musaf and one of them is part of Chovat HaYom, the special Yom Kippur. Whereas on Shavuot, they're both part of the special thing of Shavuot. Neither of them is considered part of the Musaf, those two Elim. The, 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 the Musaf is the seven Kvasim and Sirizim uh, Echad and whatever. Those are different. So, the, so it's still, there's no analogy, it's saying. Now, we found another one-day holiday that we could have included in the category, which is the, uh, the Rosh Hashanah is also one day. So why don't we have uh, the Kohen prepare for seven days before Rosh Hashanah? It's Amrabi Abau, Danit Parva Elo Shelo, Mi Parva El Shel, Mi Parva El Shelo. La Pukea Tzeret, Ve Rosh Hashanah. So there's a, now we get to another distinction. Okay, now we got our back against the wall because we have another case where you have Parvail, Parachad Ayelechad for Rosh Hashanah is the Musaf. And why can't we say that? And it's a one day holiday. So you can't go again, you can't uh, bring the reasoning that it's not a one day holiday, that it's at the end of seven days of holiness. You don't have that. And you can't say it's a different korban because actually for Rosh Hashanah, it's Parachad Ayelechad. And for the Miluim, the dedication of the Mishkan was also Egel Echad and Ayel Echad. It was one uh, cow and one um, and one ram. So that you can't differentiate on that basis. But we're going to say the difference is that Parva Ayel Shelo, right? Amr Rabbi Abahu, Danin Parva Ayel Shelo, Parva Ayel Shelo. That Yom Kippur and the Miluim have something else in common, which is who has to be, who has to fund the Korban. It comes from the Kohen Gadol himself. He has to pay for it. Therefore, it is unique, as opposed to, right, as opposed to Atzeret Rosh Hashanah, the other case, you don't really need Atzeret there, because we already disposed of the case of Atzeret, but uh, the point is that um, you don't need the, uh, you don't need, uh, you're not going to make an analogy from Rosh Hashanah where the Parva'ayil, the, 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 the ram and the cow of, of, of Rosh Hashanah, that comes from the community, so it's different. So there's a good argument to compare the dedication of the Mishkan, the Milu'im, to the case of Yom Kippur, because you have the exact same korban, which is the, uh, which is the parva'ayil, the bull and the ram, and they're brought from the pocket of the Kohen Gadol. It's like the exact same thing, pretty much. Okay, so, the, so that makes much more sense. Now, Hanicha that makes sense according to the one who says that whenever, when it says, take for yourself, it means take from your own pocket. So according to that interpretation, means take it out of your own pocket. And when it says make for yourself, when Hashem is talking to Moshe Rabbeinu, when he tells Moshe Rabbeinu to make the trumpets, he says make it from your own money. But according to those who say that, no, that's not true. Just because it says doesn't actually mean that it has to come out of the, the wallet of the Kohen Gadol. So then now we're back to the drawing board again. It could just be that it's, you know, in other words, it makes it the same thing. In other words, if the community is paying both for the, uh, the korbanot of the Kohen Gadol, as well as for the, uh, uh, the uh, korbanot of Rosh Hashanah, so then there's no distinction again, and we should apply the same standard. Right? Titania. 
Vikhu elecha mishel tzibur de Rabbi Yoshia. So Rabbi Yoshia says that when Hashem said to Aaron, kach lecha, or really Moshe said to Aaron that Hashem said, kach lecha, take for yourself, he meant from your own pocket. And when Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, kach lecha, or aseh lecha, make for yourself, chatzotrot, make for yourself, uh, trumpets, he meant from your own money. Okay, but when it said, Vikhoilecha, Hashem and Zaytzach, but when it says that the people should take for you, take to you the oil, it means from them. It doesn't mean that you have to pay for it, but Lecha means you have to pay for it. Okay, so Rabbi Yoshia would fit perfectly because then the Miluim and Yom Kippur are exactly the same because they're both cases where the Kohen Gadol finances a part of the Avodah of the day, which is unique. Okay, but... Rabbi Yonatan Omer, Ben Kach Lecha, Ben Vikhoi Lecha, Mishel Tzibur. No, it's not true. They don't, the Kohen Gadol didn't have to pay for it. Okay? Umatamud, Lamar Kach Lecha, Kivyachol, Mishelcha, Ani Rotze, Yoter Mishelahem. It doesn't mean that Hashem is actually telling you to pay for it. What it means is that Hashem is saying, I'd rather have it, so to speak, from you than from them. Meaning, I'd rather have it, your, your uh, contribution, you Moshe Rabbeinu or you Aaron, is more valuable to me than the Jewish people because they're on a lower level. I would rather have it from you. But not that actually, literally, you have to bring it from your own pocket. Um, and, uh, and that would make it that, uh, that really there is no difference. Really, both of these things are being financed by the community and not from, uh, and not from, uh, 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 from Aaron. So if that's the case, so then we're back to the drawing board of, um, of you know, how do we distinguish? Why are we distinguishing then between uh, Rosh Hashanah and uh, Yom Kippur? Should be the same. Now we go on. It says, Abba Hanan Amar, Mishum Rabbi Eliezer, Katov Echad Omer, Vyasit Lecha Aron, Etzva Katov Echad Omer, Vasu Aron, Atzeshitim. One Pasuk says, make for yourself a wooden box. In other words, make an Aron to put the Luchot in. And one says, Vasu Aron, Atzeshitim. Make it. It doesn't say the word Lecha. So haketzad kam bezman shisalu osim utzonos shel makom kam bezman sheinus osim utzonos shel makom. In other words, the idea is that there's another concept that even when the Jewish people do pay for something, like when they made the aron, when they make the aron and they're doing utzonos shel makom, they're doing it what's right in the eyes of Hashem. So Hashem calls it something that came from them when they're not following the will of God and they're doing the wrong thing. So Hashem doesn't want to give them credit for it. But that's just a that's just a matter of so to speak, politics. In other words, he doesn't want to give them credit because they're they're not finding favor in his eyes. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to besmirch the avodah with their name because they're not good. What That's different. Besmirch. Yeah, lashmit in ah. Hebrew. You know, I don't. Know, I have to translate to multiple languages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lashmit is the word in Hebrew. You would say, you know, to make them. I don't know what's a better word than that to. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have another one, but I figured a lawyer would have a better, better grasp of language. But I, yeah, I don't know. In Persian, how do you say? I don't know. But yeah, that's <laughs> what they do. <laughs> it depends which side you're working for. Well, I guess you have to besmirch somebody, even no matter which side. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so the question is, so according to this then, since there are some opinions of Tanaim that the Kohen Gadol didn't actually have to pay, for uh, for these items, so then, what is then the comparison between Yom Kippur that makes it so much more compelling uh, to 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 the Miluim versus Rosh Hashanah? So ad so it says like this: Ad kalopligi ela bekichot de alma vasiot de alma kichot de alma kach lechasami asiot de alma selchachatzot or kesef. Aval hanach parushei kam mifaresh de mishel chahu. Interesting. The Gemara is saying that. 
apparently it's uh, amending what it said above because really what it sounded like above was that Rabbi Yonatan was saying that in all that in the cases quoted previously that uh, um, that uh, that uh, you know that we would because um, it kachlecha right it said kachlecha oh but I guess in the yeah in the bright it said kachlecha michelcha. Right, so kach lecha michelcha that that it and and then Rabbi Yonatan said no ben kach lecha ben vikchoy lecha michel tzibur. So it sounds like uh, it sounds like Rabbi Yonatan was saying that the, that even when it says take for yourself, it doesn't literally mean that the kohen gadol has to pay for it. But the gemara is saying that's true that he's saying lecha in general doesn't mean that the kohen has to pay for it. The asiot de alma and in general when it says ase lecha that Rabbi Yonatan is saying he doesn't have to pay for it. That's true in general. However, like kach lechasamim, when it says that you should get, make the, the uh, ketoret, or when it says make the chatzotrot, you don't have to take it literally, that aselecha means out of your own money. But here, in these cases, there is an exception, even according to Rabbi Yonatan, it's an exception. Because because when it comes to the miluim, when it comes to the dedication of the Mishkan, it said, take for yourselves, right? It didn't actually say for yourselves. Take um, So why then does it come back and say to Aaron, take for yourself an egel? Obviously it's saying for him himself. Because it already said the community's obligation. And then it goes back and it mentions Aaron. So obviously, So obviously by the Miluim, it's definitely talking about his own personal expense. So, these are the psukim from Achorimot, right? So, when when Aaron is going to enter the Kodesh Kodeshim on that day, so he has to bring a par ben bakal lechatat vayelechad leola, right? And it says So then it says that he has to bring two goats meet bnei Israel. That comes from the Jewish people. So vekuivet par chatat shelo. It says he should bring the chatat that is his. What is the chatat that is his? Obviously, it's talking about the one before. Par ben bakal chatat, right? That we spoke about before. Lamali shemamina haylo mishelohu. That means that that must actually belong to him. So it's very interesting. So this seems how exactly they work that back in to uh, the Brighta where it says kach lecha, that Rabbi Yonatan is saying kach lecha doesn't literally mean it comes from you. He must be talking about other cases, not this case then. Right? Fine. So he's saying other cases where it says lecha, he doesn't necessarily say that that automatically means that it comes from the person's pocket. But in these two cases where it's really emphasized very clearly in the Pesukim, everybody agrees that by Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol has to pay for that thing because you could see that there's a distinction between the communal fund and the Kohen's obligation. And when it comes to the Miluim, it's very clear from the Pasuk that there's a difference between what came from the community and what came from our own from the language of the Pasuk. That is clear. So therefore, we can make this distinction and say, just like Yom Kippur, just like the Miluim, there was an aparvail. In other words, the analogy works out perfectly then, because just like by the miluim, there was by the dedication of the mishkan, there was a uh, a, a, a bull and the ram, and they were brought from the personal fund of the Kohen Gadol, so too on Yom Kippur is the same thing, and therefore, just like by the Miluim, there was a seven-day preparation, there's a seven-day preparation for uh, Yom Kippur. So the analogy works out very well. Now, I'll make another distinction. You don't even have to go that far. He says... Forget about who's paying for it. Rosh Hashanah and Shavuot, when you bring the parva uh, and the ayil, you're bringing 
olot. You're bringing burnt offerings. They're not chataot. Here we're talking about a bull which is a chatat and an ayel le'olah. So it's, it's different. So we already said that the ayel is of a different nature. The, the ram that's brought or the rams that, that are brought on, uh, on, on uh, Shavuot are of a different nature, but he's adding another element to it, which is there are also different types of korbanot because those are olot, and here we're talking about, um, here we're talking about um, chataten and olam. Ravina amar danin avodah bekoin gadol me avodah bekoin gadol. Right, that the uh, w- that uh, w- we we compare the avodah of the kohen gadol. Meaning an avodah that has to be done by the kohen gadol, with an avodah that has to be done by the kohen gadol. La puke kulhu kushyatin. The lava avodah kohen gadol. In other words, that differentiates from everything because you see that yom kippur has to be done by the kohen gadol only, and the miluim, the dedication of the mishkan, had to be done only by the kohen gadol. So therefore, it makes sense that these are unique phenomena. There's no other case of any chag where there were your kohen gadol to do it. I mean, that's a ba- that's the most intuitive. Somebody said that yesterday. I just mentioned that. Yeah. That that's that's the most intuitive and obvious uh, distinction, but that would differentiate uh, um, Yom Kippur from all other uh, holidays and make it more similar to the dedication of the um, of the Mishkan, because it's a uh, it is a um, you know a, uh, a, a, a unique that it has to be done by Kohen Gadol. Vikad Amri Sam say Amar Ravina Danin Avodat Chila Me Avodat Chila La Pukei Aned Lav Chila Nino. Ravina said Sam say that Ravina said. We judge, we compare an avodah that's the beginning, an initiation of avodah from an initiation of avodah to distinguish it from this. Now, what does that mean, an initiation? My tachila, what does it mean? Ile matachila b'koin gadol, if you mean because it's the first thing of the koin gadol, meaning that the koin gadol's first obligation of yom, was on Yom Kippur, the first thing that he had to do, specifically him, was Yom Kippur, just like the first avodah that he ever had to do in the, in the Mishkan was uh, during the Milu'im, during the uh, dedication. So you'll say, oh, just like the first thing that he ever had to do was the uh, Milu'im, so the first thing that he ever had to do uh, in terms of the Chagim was Yom Kippur. But basically, Hainu that's basically the same answer as before, because it's basically saying because he's the Kohen Gadol. That's the same thing, right? What it means is that it's the first avodah in that place. In other words, just like the miluim, just like the dedication of the Mishkan was the first time the Mishkan was being used for a full avodah, for a full official avodah, um, was uh, was was on, in the case of the miluim. So uh, so too the first time the Kodesh Kodeshim was ever used. In other words, the first time that was ever used legitimately. Let's put aside Nadav and Avihu and the whole question there. Right, the first time it was legitimately used was the case of Yom Kippur. So just like, so it's in a way, the first Yom Kippur was an initiation of, an inauguration of the Kodesh HaKodeshim because it was the first time that would be used. So in that way, you could compare Yom Kippur, meaning the first Yom Kippur ever, which we're, you know, repeating year after year, that first Yom Kippur was like the Miluim in the sense that it was the first time a part of the Mishkan was used, namely the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Well, no, from, 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 uh... The first, time, uh, the first time they used it, inauguration was in Pesach, right? Uh, it was like before Pesach. It was like, uh, yeah. They didn't use, use anything until Yom Kippur? No, but they never used the Kodesh HaKodeshim. I mean, I mean, they were probably, you know, we don't know exactly what they were doing in the Midbar in terms of the other, uh, the other cycle of things, whether they had Rosh Chodesh, I don't know. Whether they had Chagim, it doesn't seem like it. Except for that first Pesach that they did in the Midbar, it doesn't seem like it. But... Um, but that they, they had uh, every other korban. What do you mean? They had uh, korban tamid every day. Oh, no, they no, had no, individual no. korbanot, but I don't know that right. they had chagim. Um, in the, um, but in but for Yom Kippur would be the first time they ever used the kodesh kodeshim because you never use the kodesh kodeshim. When do you you never 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 for anything? 
you know. Did the Korean so, Kadol have any other job description other than his uh, Yom Kippur? Well, he always had to be there. I mean, but, but, but yeah, he brings action, the morning and afternoon mincha that he does. That was personal. Right, and then he's allowed to bring korbanot whenever he wants, you know. Well, he can, he can interrupt the, you know, order of the mishmarot and take, uh, you know, do whatever he wants. But he had in to be there, I mean. In terms of when he was hired, the main <laughs> job is... Uh, no, they didn't, have, they didn't have a board. They didn't have a board. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he, but he, you know... He was never supposed to become the, the imp- right. It's not clear. It's a good question. I mean, from the fact, the fact is that they didn't have like I don't think they had a specific job description. But the but the fact that he was never allowed to become tamei, so that he would always be ready to serve. Obviously, there was an you know there was an idea that he's basically on call. He has to be there. He's supposed to be present. What exactly he would do? It's not you know he had the urim v'tumim. Also, I guess they would use that. Um, a lot of times, if the kohen gadol was qualified, he'd probably also be on the sanhedrin. In any case, um, when Rav Dimi came, he said, by the way, you know, Rabbi Yochanan only believed in one of these things, meaning he didn't believe that there's a biblical basis for the separation of the Kohen for the seven days before doing the Parah Adumah. He only believed that Rabbi Yochanan was the one who said to Rabbi Yochanan Like we said yesterday, the Pasuk, he only uses that Pasuk to mean Yom Kippur. Only for Yom Kippur you need seven days of preparation, not for the Paraduma. That's what we said yesterday, right? That Limud, that you have a source, both for the Kohen separating, it doesn't have to be the Kohen Gadol in that case, for the Kohen separating for the seven days to make the Paraduma, and the Kohen separating Kohen Gadol for Yom Kippur, we learn from the same Pasuk, Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan didn't agree with it. Not, not that he didn't think that you had to do that, because it's in the Mishnah actually, but we, meaning that he didn't think it had really a basis in the Torah. He thinks it was a rabbinic. Now, Rabbi Yochanan, we learn in the Mishnah, we have the same Mishnayot. This is not actually a Mishnah, but this is a Mishnah, they're splicing together the Mishnah of our uh, beginning of our Masachet with the Mishnah from Masachet Parah. But it's, it's you know, the same thing. So it says, Ma'la Ba'alma. He'll tell you that's just Ma'la Ba'alma, meaning they're just, it's a rabbinic thing that they did in order to emphasize the purity with which the Paraduma was prepared. Like we said, since they make him Tamei formally, you know, before he does it, and then they make him go to the Mikveh, they wanted to show that in every other respect he was super uh, protected from Tum'ah. And that's why they did it, but it wasn't really a requi- biblical requirement. What, wasn't there a whole list of rabbis quoting Rabbi Yochanan saying, Does, Don't we have a quote from Rabbi Yochanan, from students of Rabbi Yochanan, quoting directly that pasuk and saying that not only does Yom Kippur require a, a, a seven-day quarantine, but so does Parah. It says, no, ha-hu, that's only his teachers. Te- he was repeating what his Rebbe said. Right, Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Yishmael. Remember, Rabbi Yochanan was actually a very early Amora. So he, you know, interacted with uh, late Tanaim. He said, Lasot elo so that he was quoting his teacher when he said that he wasn't quoting his you know he wasn't giving his own uh, his own interpretation his own view was actually that only the Yom Kippur is biblically uh, required and the other one is rabbinic now you Rabbi Yochanan this is Rish Lakish Rabbi Yochanan's chavruta so he said to him you are learning it from the miluim from the dedication of the Mishkan. 
אם המילואים כל הכתוב בן מאה כבן, אף אחד המילואים כל הכתוב בן מאה כבן. So shouldn't it be that just like we say about the מילואים, every detail of that service of the dedication of the, of the משכן, the inauguration of the משכן had to be done exactly correctly, and if anything was omitted, then it would not have fulfilled its purpose, it would not have been acceptable, um, so we should say the same thing here. That if the Kohen Gadol does not abide by this rule of seven days separation, he shouldn't be able to serve. And maybe he'll tell me that's true. We learned in the Mishnah, Didn't we learn in the Mishnah that they have a backup Kohen just in case Kohen number one uh, fails? Right? It doesn't say mafrishin. It doesn't say that the, that the uh, understudy has to also separate for seven days. He doesn't have to. So what does that show you? It shows you it's not me'akev. It's not indispensable because if he does have to come and take over, he wasn't separated for seven days. Okay, so if you'll tell me... Backup wives, the backup wives? No, no, no. My matkinim What was... What does it mean, matkinim Right, so, so you'll tell me what does matkinin mean. He also has to separate. No, litni o'idi v'idi matkinin, o'idi v'idi mafrishin. If that's true, then it should say about the understudy that he also has to separate or make it clear. Why don't you use the same language? The fact that it doesn't say that they both have to separate means that only the Kohen Gadol himself has to separate. The understudy doesn't have to, and hopefully he'll be able to fulfill his, his uh, job. But the point is that he's not, uh, it's obviously not ma'akev. It doesn't interfere with the validity of the Avodah if the Kohen Gadol didn't fulfill this requirement. Because if it were true that it's absolutely indispensable, then the understudy would also have to separate for seven days just to make sure that his Avodah was qualified. And you're telling me that we're learning from the Miluim. Well, if we're learning from the Miluim, it's better be, it has to be 100% compliance. There's no bending of the rules. So then he said to him, okay, Amarle elamor me'echa He said, okay, so where do you learn it from? If you think my interpretation of learning it from the Miluim is so bad, Reish Lakish, what's your idea? He tells him, uh, Amar, uh, what, what should I actually say? Amarlo or Amarle? Amarle. Misinai, I learn it from Har Sinai. Dikhti vayishkon kvod Hashem al Har Sinai vayichaseu anan sheshet yamim. Because it says that uh, after the revelation at Har Sinai, before Moshe Rabbeinu went up back up to the mountain, right, in the end of... Uh, At the end of Parashat Mishpatim, it says that the glory of Hashem was over the Har Sinai for six days. And on the seventh day, Hashem called Moshe to come up. Right? So what does that show you? So if, uh, if Moshe Rabbeinu needs to be called up on the seventh day, why doesn't it just say, on the seventh day, Hashem called him? Why does it have to say, that the, it could just say the cloud went down, and on the seventh day, Hashem called Moshe? Why does it say, and the cloud came down, and for six days it covered? What does it show you? It shows you, that anybody who comes into the presence of the Shechina, into the inner sanctum of Kedushah, of holiness, right? So in other words, what it means is that Moshe Rabbeinu had to stay there, separate from his family life, and be, you know, you know, sort of sequestered for the six days before he went into the, uh, pl- the place of Kedushah. So you see the big difference here in understanding what the, there's a very deep, I mean, you could go into the philosophical difference between the two, but there is, like, there is a difference. In other words, according to Reish Lakish, the whole reason why the Kohen Gadol has to separate for seven days is because he's going into the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Right? That's, that's the whole reason. It's because he's entering the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Which has nothing to do with the Miluim, because during the Miluim, the Kohen Gadol did not, was not supposed to. Nobody was supposed to go into the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Maybe uh, Nadav and Avihu did, maybe they didn't. That's debatable what, what, what exactly they did. But 
they, but definitely that wasn't part of the Avodah that day. They're going to the Kodesh HaKodeshim. So according to Rish Lakish, the whole thing, the whole issue is going into the Kodesh HaKodeshim requires the seven days of separation because you see Moshe Rabbeinu had to wait that, that time. But if you go like Rabbi Yochanan, it has nothing to do with the Kodesh HaKodeshim per se. It has to do with the service of Yom Kippur, which is like a, right, which is like a rededication of the Mishkan and a cleansing of the Mishkan because the, Mish, because the Yom Kippur service is basically Lechaper Ala Mikdash. It's to, it's to uh, atone for the Mikdash and like cleanse it, basically. It's to cleanse the, the Mishkan or the Beta Mikdash um, from Tum'ah. Uh, so therefore, it's a rededication of the Mishkan or of the Beta Mikdash in a way. It's a restarting. And that's the reason. So we're building it based on the Miluim. So there's a real difference in how you look at this whole process. Was the, was the seven days of separation in order because we're doing like a new inauguration of the Mishkan all over again each year and we're, re, we're renewing it? Um, or is it because the Kohen Gadol has to go into the Kodesh HaKodeshim? That's the main reason. That's the only reason why he has to separate. Now you'll notice there's only six days here. Is that what you were going to ask? No, oh, what were you going to ask? Connection between um, the six days of Sinai and Tum'ah. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't mention like, in the verse. No, because it doesn't say Tum'ah here in the Mishnah either. In other words, it just says that he has to be isolated. So we're, you know, the interpretation was, oh, because of, you know, it could be because of Tum'ah, but it doesn't actually say that. It's, it only says that by the Parah Duma that the reason was for Tum'ah. Here it just says he has to separate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily say that. So the question, though, the Gemara is going to ask is, Vanan Shivatnan. That, he, that in the Pasuk, Reish Lak- the problem with Reish Lakish's interpretation is that Reish Lakish has a c- case where he's only separating for six days. What happened to the seventh day? Right? Where, where do we get the seventh day then from, according to Reish Lakish? He says, oh, Now he brings in the idea of Tum'ah. That the concern is that we're worried that he's going to become Tamei from his wife. In other words, if he has relations with his wife less than seven days before Yom Kippur, and she turns out to be Nida, he'll be Tameh for seven days as a result of the Tumat Nida that he contracts from his wife, and then he won't be able to serve. So therefore, we add an extra day, basically. So I don't think Rish Lakish is not retracting his original view that the, the main source is from Moshe Rabbeinu going up on the mountain. He's just saying that we make it seven days also for the additional reason that maybe um, he could become Tameh from... Uh, you know, our Mishnah is following, or maybe he, he, maybe he would say that, uh, according to him, you really only need six days. But since our Mishnah is following Rabbi Yehuda uh, ben Bittera, that we're concerned about the Tumah that he would get from his wife, so therefore it's seven days in our Mishnah. Maybe really, according to Rishlakish, it really only has to be six days. But, but he's saying, according to Rabbi Yehuda ben Bittera, since our Mishnah follows him, and he was concerned about the Tumat Nida, which is a totally different issue, so therefore, he has seven days. But interestingly, Rish Lakish really should only have six, according to his own logic. So the, then there's a note here from the Ritzvah yeah. if it was just the Sinai, then he wouldn't do it in the Ishkat Panhedrin. Right? Oh, he wouldn't have to stay separate. Ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, he, could, he just would have to be isolated. He wouldn't have to be isolated from home. Interesting. So he's agreeing with, with Rabbi Uda. He's, he's agreeing with us, seemingly. Okay. Now, now they're going to argue about who has the better interpretation. So Rabbi Yochanan says, according to me, that we learned from the Miluim. Um, uh, so he said, now it makes sense that, uh, that if we learn 
from the uh, from the case of the Miluim. That's why the Kohen, whether the Kohen is being sequestered because he's about to do the Para Aduma, or he's being sequestered because he's doing the Yom Kippur Avodah, every day they put on them the ashes of the Para Aduma, just to be sure. Everything is like Lechumra, they're just making super, super strict. So that makes sense because in the Miluim also it says every day they were splashing on them. Right, they were splashing on them blood, but they're splashing on them something. Right, so el didach the el fat misinai. But according to you, that the whole thing is learned from our sinai. So azab sinai mi havai. So what do you need? To, what do you need? What do you need sprinkling on? Amar leu letamech resh lakisetum minicha bemiluim dam achamai. Your your analogy doesn't make sense either. Because in the case of the inauguration of the Mishkan, they were putting blood from the sacrifices on the Kohanim every day. Now water, not the paraduma. So what, where are you getting the idea that uh, you should have paraduma splash? If it has to be an exact analogy, so ha lakasha that I'll get out of because the Tani Rabbi I'll say that the water now of the paraduma is to to replace the blood because we don't have a seven days of uh, inauguration sacrifices going on leading up to Yom Kippur. So instead we put the water on them, but it's modeled on the fact that every day of those seven days they were being uh, treated with something okay but but according to you according to you since there was no such splashing on them of anything at Har Sinai or on Moshe Rabbeinu of anything at Har Sinai so what was the reason what is the connection between that ritual and the analogy that you're making We'll just say mala alma. It's there is no actual basis. It's in other words, it's not based on the same thing. It's just an extra emphasis on the purity of the kohen gadol. It doesn't connect to the original source. In other words, once we have a sequestering of the kohen, so we go even further and say we're going to super purify him. We're going to every single day put the paraduma ashes on it. But that's that's the that's an extra level of hum, uh, of humra. But that's that doesn't connect to the source. The source was. The um, right, the source was the uh, uh, was the uh, the preparation for Har Sinai. So that's different than uh, you know than the Miluim. According to Rabbi Yochanan, no, it fits in because since the source is the Miluim and they were splashing something on him every day of the seven days before the eighth day, so then it, it makes sense that they would splash on him the Paradumat fits in with the same framework as the uh, uh, you know as everything else but but I think the main point here the main idea of difference is that one is seeing it as about the rededication of the Mishkan or the Bet HaMikdash that occurs on Yom Kippur and therefore models it after that and the other one sees it as mainly about the entry into the Kodesh HaKodeshim and models it after that and I, and uh, but at the same time there are overlapping concerns because you see there's also the concern about the Tumah of the Kohen Gadol Right, that he can't become Tamei, he can't be exposed to Tumah, that's going to be a seven-day Tumah, because then he won't be able to serve. So there are practical concerns as well, that, but as, uh, you know, as Batalo was quoting, if a, you know, keeping him away from his home is because of the Tumah concern. Not only, otherwise, he could have isolated anywhere. He could have gone and t- camped out by the, uh, you know, anywhere else. The fact that we keep him isolated is because of the Tumah concern. Okay, great. So,